Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Hello, Edwina Murphy-Druma is my name and I want to warmly welcome you to this interview in the series where I am speaking to phenomenal feminine entrepreneurs in order to gain their life-changing insights on taking control of your prosperity, your freedom and your beautiful future. Today, I am talking to the amazingly gorgeous Kim Morrison. Kim, I think this is our third interview, which is testament to how much I love you. much I just want to keep sharing your beautiful wisdom with our audience so welcome honey and thank you so much for being here oh thank you sweetheart your work is phenomenal in itself and I think the way you get to share so many amazing people is a credit to you so thank you for having me thank you there will be some in our audience that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you until now Kim so why don't we start with a bit of your journey you've you wear so many hats and you've done so many things um, I always love hearing a little bit you know you started as a marathon runner and you've now got this amazing um, aromatherapy aromatherapy company amongst other things but we, let's start wherever you, wherever pops into your mind first and let's just get the journey going. I think Who's being, yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's an interesting question in itself. Yeah. Who actually are we and are we our labels? Are we our achievements? Are we our failures? It's such a good yeah. question because so many of us use a label and brand it and then make it mean something. So mm-hmm. I guess for me, if people wanted an insight into my world, you know, grew up in Auckland, New Zealand with a mum who, you know, had me at 16. So incredible really that, you know, she we she grew up with us, you know, there was three yeah. kids and, and she was strong and determined and focused and had a pretty tough upbringing herself. So maybe her tenacity, her endurance ability and her, you know, real desire to make a difference is certainly something that's ensconced in me. I guess when I was younger, my passion was around sport. I loved netball and got to state level in New Zealand and really loved it until I realized I was probably had grown too short. You know, the netball is now quite a tall woman's sport. It's a very aggressive sport. I loved it. Absolutely loved it and played until I was in my 40s. But then I ended up, um, I was working in travel, actually, after doing six months of law school, realized that that wasn't for me at uni and got into travel. I wanted the adventure. And for three years, I worked in travel, ended up going across to Australia, happened to be in Perth at the same time when the New Zealand cricket team were on tour and happened to be introduced to a certain fast bowler. That's another story. And we did park it there for three years, but I will, we may come back to that. Yeah. Um, but then I ended up moving to Melbourne and just wanted to start my big OE. My, It was just something that I think a lot of Aussies and Kiwis do. We're so far down under. It's about exploration and finding ourselves and being out there in the big wide world. Got to Melbourne and and ended up working in a gymnasium. Right next door to the gymnasium was a natural therapies college. Always interested me. Herbs, plants, medicines, naturopathy. Always was a bit of a touchy-feely type. And I just was drawn into this yeah. college and had $180 in my bank account. The course was 160 signed up. And that 10-week course went on to become 
three or four years of diploma and certification after one another. I think, you know, people watching this will appreciate the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And my thirst for knowledge around self-care, self-love, um, awareness of fitness and health and wellness was just, it just kept growing. And it was during that time I had to get up my log hours for my sports massage diploma. And I got introduced to a gentleman called Cliff Young, who had won the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne race at 68 years of age. He was a potato farmer. I found him highly intriguing. I'm really fascinated by humans and our personalities and our behaviours and he was certainly a fascinating human. And it was whilst looking after him, I, he asked me what I thought of this 24-hour race. It was freezing cold in the middle of Coburg. And I just looked and I said, it's the most stupid thing I've ever done in my life, watching athletes run around a 400-metre track for 24 hours. What a stupid thing to do. And he yeah. said, put your money where your mouth is and why don't you run one? And I thought, well, I'd much rather run one than watch one. So... 12 weeks later, I was lined up in my first ultra marathon, a 12-hour race, had never run beyond 10Ks. And long story short, I went through lots of highs and lows in that, used my oils. I was studying aromatherapy at the time. And he was always saying to me, it's 90% mental, 10% physical, 90% mental, 10% physical. And I just kept that mantra in my head and ended up winning the female section of that race. I don't know how I did it, but I ran 95.4 kilometers. And as they gave me my trophy, they said I'd won a place to represent Victoria in the 24-hour championships. And I'm probably someone who loves a challenge. I love to think if someone says you can't do it, I'm sure there's many people watching this. If someone says you can't, it's like, show me. Let me show you. And so then three months later, I was lined up to run in the Victorian 24-hour championships. Again, I'd never been awake for 24 hours, let alone run for 24 (laughs) hours. So that was a challenge in itself. But I remember Cliffy saying to me at the beginning of that race, you're about to meet the real Kim. And I didn't know what he meant until what we call the graveyard shift. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the night between 12 to 6 a.m. is what they call the graveyard shift. It's freezing cold. You're out there alone. You're just trying to walk. Everything hurts. Um, Just you've got these voices in your head saying, quit, sit down. This is stupid. You've got another voice going, you don't want to fail. Don't have DNF, did not finish next to your name. And probably being quite a competitive athlete anyway, you, you just realize you're competing And I guess this is probably the biggest metaphor I've learned in business and life. The only person you're really competing against is yourself. And I really did meet me. I saw my most vulnerable where I threw tantrums because someone gave me pumpkin soup instead of a cup of warm tea with honey that I was expecting through the biggest tantrum. I was so embarrassed about myself (laughs) afterwards, but through this big tantrum. And then I saw my absolute grit and grace and determination where the last two hours of that race The minute I found out I had an inkling of winning it, I found more power in me in those last two hours than I did the last 22 hours and and went on not only to win it, but set a world record for being the youngest female to run 100 miles in less than 24 hours. When they gave me my trophy and said that I created this record, that I'd won a place to represent Australia at the World Indoor 24-Hour Championships in London. I remember thinking, gosh, who would have thought at 15 I wanted to play netball for New Zealand? I'd end up running an ultra marathon for Australia. So even that taught me that having a goal is brilliant, Mm. but don't be afraid of the course 
or path changing. And, yeah. you know, there may be other things in line for you and the disappointment of not making it into the New Zealand under 21s actually made me go to Australia. And then I went on to run for Australia. So I don't know. It's also taught me that disappointments don't mean the end. It's just mm -hmm. a new possibility. Mm -hmm. And through that time, obviously, my love of oils and my passion and thirst for knowledge around business and things like that, I launched my business in, um, well, you know, I've always worked for myself. But when I returned to New Zealand because of that cricketer that I happened to talk about in Perth, went back to New Zealand because of him, we got engaged and we were married in 1993. And he was a, a you know, a top cricketer. He played cricket for 10 years. So I kind of put myself on hold I guess, and it really helped him pursue his dream. That's when I became really interested in nutrition and understanding on a daily basis, everything you put into your body affects those 50 trillion cells. So you might think, oh, this cream cake, it's a treat. I deserve it. I've worked really hard. But you have no idea the implications that that one cake can have on your whole body. In the same token, when you choose to eat well, the implications and the long-term effects of eating well. And he, his body was our income, so we treated it like it was a temple. And that taught me the power of treating this beautiful vehicle like a temple. It's, it's the one body we get. Um, to treat it with reverence and grace and to understand that it is the one thing. Health is your greatest asset. So all those years, then I really learned how powerful health is and our mindset and combining what I'd learned as an ultramarathoner with the mind, mental and emotional side, combined with my love of nutrition, herbal therapy. I did my homeobotanical um, diploma. I just kept finding that I kept being interested in more and more things yeah. until finally after my children, I realized when I was asked to write an article on the powers of essential oil for a leading magazine in New Zealand, I wrote this article and then rang a girlfriend and I said, actually, it's more than an article, let's write a book. Yeah. So in 2000, we launched our first book, Like Chocolate for Women. We were told it wouldn't sell more than one or 2,000 copies, went on to be a, a beautiful international bestseller. And it was all about oils and the busy woman and how to take care of herself. And that's when I realized my niche started to come to the fore of what I love to teach and support women to do, that we can have it all. We can be a mum and an entrepreneur. We can be a wife and a partner. We can be an employee who also has side things that she loves to contribute to. We can, in my humble opinion, have it all. So long as you look after the vehicle, your health and your mindset, you can do anything. So in, we then sadly went through a whole lot of trials and tribulations as all marriages and families do and losing my sister-in-law to suicide was a very big pivotal point in our lives and we decided in 2006 to move to the Sunshine Coast and it was a year later that I started looking into creating my own business. I've always wanted to have my own oil business. I had a dream of being the largest aromatherapy company in the Southern Hemisphere. So in 2008, the 28th of the 8th, 2008, I launched 28. And, um, you know, it's been a very big journey in itself. Um, I realized a year into that that <laughs> 
I'd, no one had told me about doTERRA and Young Living at that point. I hadn't really grasped into the multitude or the size of the, 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 the business that was actually about to be, you know, portrayed onto the world. I'd heard of Young Living, but doTERRA just took it to another whole level. And I guess what the beauty of that was is it really shone a light on the, the industry. Aromatherapy has always been seen as this little nice smelling industry, but no one had seen it in the powerful way that it is, particularly how it can affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So I went on teaching and growing and developing and then realized a year or two in that my goal wasn't to be the largest aromatherapy company. I realized my vision, my mission was to support one woman at a time, one mother at a time, the power of using plant therapy, her innate intelligence to take care of her children, the most amazing intellect that maybe through our forefathers and mothers that we've lost touch with, using time and chicken soups and herbs and time and relaxation to really heal and nourish our families, ourselves. And just even though I know I'm saying a lot and I'm talking fast, I also realize the power of taking a breath and taking time. And I guess that's what my beautiful business 28 has taught me, that to trust my intuition, to trust my knowledge, to trust that there is a path and a destiny, but also to know that that path can change. And then that's led me to who I am here today, you know, 13 years on. (sighs) yeah (laughs) take the breath (laughs) there is so many so many things that I want to um pull out of what you've just said because I think there's so many bits that we can highlight in there but I think that take a breath you know before we hit record you had your little ritual with your essential oils and I often say to clients it's those micro moments you know we're, we're always sort of push to find an hour to meditate and you know, like these these chunks of time and then we don't so we don't do anything but I think my experience is those micro moments are actually the things that make the biggest difference so love that we call them triple m's yeah yeah um micro moment micro moments of mindfulness yeah. triple m's and it's yeah. that deep breath or that you know, just, okay, how do I, how do I solve this? Or just doing 10 squats, that might be the only exercise that you get in for the day, but Mm -hmm. a little something is better than a whole lot of nothing, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm intrigued. Did you, have you ever written a book about your um, experience in doing that ultra marathon? Is that something that you've done? No, I've told parts of it in The Art of Self-Love, my sixth book. I wrote about it in in there, Um, but just parts of the journey. I've never written the whole. I think it's a whole, to me, I'd call it the marathon of life and business. Mm -hmm. I've I've got it in my head. I've done talks on it, but it really is to me one. You don't have to run an ultra marathon Mm -hmm. to know what I'm talking about. All of us have the graveyard shift in life or business. Mm -hmm. There's moments where we want to quit. There's that voice in our head that says give up. But there's that other part of us, particularly entrepreneurial women, we don't want to give up. Mm. It's, you know, and that's why we're a minority. If it was easy, yeah. everybody would be doing yeah. it. Yeah. And that's why I say to every single woman watching this, you are a leader, you are a champion, you are already winning the race of entrepreneurship, determination, tenacity, resilience. You really are remarkable. Mm. But we sometimes, and, and I love that line, there's no failure, only feedback. Yeah. You know, at the moments where we feel like we're failing or it's not working or it's not doing what we want, mm. how do we 
reframe that into what am I meant to hear here? Mm. Maybe there's a different mm. path. Maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. And, mm. you know, it's taken me a, a long time to master that and not give yeah. up on myself or question myself or let that voice come in and say you're not good enough and don't have enough degrees or a qualification or, you know, there's so many self-sabotaging thoughts that the yeah. entrepreneurial woman has that I think that the contrast of that, every time one of those comes up in my mind, I thank her for reminding me to take a breath and look at what I do do well and maybe sit on it for 24 hours. And my other favourite question I say to myself when I'm questioning myself is, okay, Kim, Mm -hmm. if you could wave a magic wand and time and money was not an issue, what would you really want? Mm And that then gets me out of my head and into my heart and gets me really focused on what's important again. Yeah. The reason I asked is there is, you know, that endurance is such a massive part of being an entrepreneur and the 90% mindset, 10% physical, I think applies to being an entrepreneur as well. And I have a coach who really pointed me towards reading David Goggins' book, You Can't Hurt Me, but I found it so masculine and confronting that I couldn't see myself in that story at all. I just just felt overwhelming. I don't know if you've read it. Um, Amazing book, but I love hearing from people that I can identify with and I think hearing you tell that story you know, brings out the all the messy bits and the great bits of who we are when we go through something that requires such endurance. Um, it's an amazing story. Love it. <laughs> so the 10% mindset and uh, 20, 90% mindset, 10% physical that I think, you know, we can apply to entrepreneurship as well. Um, I know that you've thought about walking away from this journey a couple of times to get a nine to five job. I'm absolutely positive that every entrepreneur does that at some point. I know I certainly have. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how you kept moving forward from that, from being in that place? I think there's always times, particularly when you employ people or when people are relying on you, you know, they probably don't see you lying awake at two o'clock in the morning, looking at the bank balance, wondering how the hell are you going to pay ten thousand dollars worth of bills and there's a hundred and fifty dollars in the bank account and you're sitting there going how am I going to do this or there's moments when your supplier turns around I had this happen I got an email on a Friday night at five o'clock saying we can no longer supply you effective Monday even though it was in the contract that they couldn't do that so I've had moments where I've just questioned what the hell does it all mean and I'm not sleeping and I'm you know, I've got two young kids or I've got teenagers that are going through their things and I've got a husband who's also, you know, going through his own battles and challenges through his life experiences. We then threw in the GFC when, you know, that crippled us and we lost our house. And look, honestly, I could tell you so many times where I've gone, what is this all about? But the two times that I've gone to walk away, I remember thinking it's it's what I... It's, I actually surrendered. So the first time I went to walk away, I was in partnership with somebody. She was an amazing woman, but I realized it wasn't the partnership I wanted. And no disrespect to her, I just Mm -hmm. knew I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And in order to walk away from that, I realized I had to get to a place of surrendering that I could walk away from my whole business, my dream, because she may have wanted to buy me out. Mm -hmm. And and, and we did. We went through 10 weeks of hell. It was, Mm -hmm. I thought it would just be a really nice 
passing and understanding and all of that, but it wasn't. And, you know, egos come into it, um, disappointment, hurt. And, man, it was it was so tough. And I remember yeah. one night I just said to Danny, my husband, I'm done. Uh, she can have it. I, I don't even care about the money or anything. It just, you get to a point where it just doesn't matter. What really matters is the people in front of you or, and I know I've got an entrepreneurial spirit. So I just thought I'll just start another company in another year. I'll, I'll start afresh. So in that surrendering moment, mm-hmm. I actually gave up the ego, the desire, the challenge, the fight, the whole thing and ended up I'm not joking, but the day we went to sign the contract, I was $28,000, believe it or not, $28,000 short of needing to pay her out. And I got a phone call from a friend's husband worried about his wife and her health and could I help? And he said, you sound a bit rattled. And I said, oh, I'm just finishing this. Long story short, he's a lawyer. He went through the whole thing and he goes, you know what, Kim, I'll give you the 28,000, just pay it all out, pay me back 7% over the next two years. You've got this, don't give up. Uh, who would have choreographed him to call me about his wife in that moment yeah. as I was driving to finalise the, the meeting? And it was 28000 I thought that was interesting. Yeah. The second time I went to give up, I get it was that moment where I had thousands of dollars worth of bills and on Monday I just thought I can't do it anymore. I've got to close the doors. I can't do it. And I'd paid back every cent I owned. I'd done everything. But, you know, everyone else can walk home and enjoy their their pay each week. And I was just constantly working out. As my business coach said, Kim, you're constantly looking to shoot ducks. How do I, instead of creating a long-term plan, you're just shooting the next duck. You're selling this, you're selling that. But what's your long-term strategy? You're going to burn out. And considering I was teaching all about self-care, self-love, wellness, balance, (laughs) I was really in the throes of the contrast of that. And I had to really take on my philosophy, my teachings. And they say we teach what we need to learn the most um, to do that. And so we were flying to New Zealand, Danny and I, to go and have four days off to go and see friends. We were going to the All Blacks. And um, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to give myself these four days. If I still feel the same on Monday, I'm going to close the doors. And we were in New Zealand and very good friends of ours. He's like a brother from another mother, entrepreneur, businessman, has five different companies he runs and all that. He just asked me how it was. And instead of me saying the usual, yeah, it's good, it's good, you know, it's a bit challenging, but, you know, life's good, I actually didn't care. I was shutting the doors on Tuesday. So I said to him, you know what, it sucks, I'm done. I've been working so hard. I've been doing this for so long, blah, 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 blah. And he listened to me. And then after an hour, I'll never forget it, we we're drinking, eating hokey pokey ice cream in Mangawai, him and his wife and me and Danny in the car yeah. drinking, eating. And he turns around and goes, you know what? I'm a little bit quiet at the moment. I reckon all that you need is a bit of fuel on the fire. I'd love to invest. He goes, I'm not going to let you give away 20 years of all this work for nothing. You have got so much to offer. I want to be a partner. Yeah. And so it was, again, I think what I learned is in surrendering is when you let go of the ego, you let go of all failing and not being good enough into, you know what, I've given it my all. And sometimes it's amazing what comes back. So I'm so grateful. I retrenched everything. We now turn over less money, but we have way higher profits. That's because he bought in all the systems to increase our profitability. The bottom line taught me all about Um, how we can really um, strategize and systemize things, less people all doing more. It just, it just worked. And I'm just so proud. And, and on my 50th birthday, 
um, we actually launched into New Zealand with a big launch over there. So I now had my dream of having my business in my home country, but also yeah. the country I'm also a citizen over here. So, yeah, it was really cool. I, you know, I hear two things in there. One surrender and the other one is network or community. Network can sound a bit clinical, but community, it's the people that you've surrounded yourself with and poured into that it then comes back to you. And I think that that's worth recognising, you know, for the people that are listening to this as well. Because it's a big piece of this entrepreneurial journey is the relationships that we build on the way. Um, I would love to go into surrender a bit more. It's interesting. I invested a huge amount and flew back and forth to the US many times to do an intensive leadership training. And the one thing that they kept throwing at me was surrender. Edwina, you must learn to surrender. And it was so triggering to me. And I think if we can tie that conversation in with leadership, it's actually really interesting for people to hear. So are you happy to talk a little bit more about what surrender actually means to you and how that ties in to being a feminine leader in the business that you have? I think we have such tight grips on our meaning of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to remember that whatever goes on in the world, we have this whole set of strategy, systems, personality, meta programs, how we see the world, memories, uh, upbringing, um, our values, our beliefs. So anything can happen out there. And then the way we filter it then creates an emotional response, changes our state, our physiology, and then we project that onto the world. And when you understand that, you realize that we are very fixed in the way that we look at things. We become very, this is the only way, or this is the right way. And I guess now what I'm teaching people to do is to let go of that grip a bit, um, to surrender more to the other possibilities, other perspectives, other uh, insights that maybe you hadn't thought of. And I guess through that, you then get to see that actually nothing means anything. Mm. It's only the meaning you put into something that it has it mean something. So I could say that I almost failed my business twice. You Mm. could say that. Mm. Or you could go, no, I just hit, you know, there was so much perturbation leading and then you hit this point, you either break through or you break out. And the breakout means you let go of something or the breakthrough means you reach another barrier of growth or get through another barrier of growth. So to me, really surrendering is letting go of the meaning, the grip that you have on everything, yeah. what it has to be a certain way. or And I tell you what, we get we get opportunities to do this every single moment of yeah. every single day. So anyone that triggers you, anything that says on the news, anybody, a client, a, um, a partner, a child, a mother, a mother-in-law, a, you know, any, anybody that triggers you is an opportunity for you to let go of the grip of your meaning and beliefs and values on something and realize there's always another perspective. I guess the way I could look at it is this is a, a lip balm. Mm-hmm. I could hold this up and if what you're looking at was a projector, if that was projected on that there up onto the screen, you would see a rectangle shape. You just That's what that projector would put yeah. up there. But if I turned it this way, you would see yeah. a circle two completely different ideas, but the same point, the same thing. So that analogy really helps me to, when someone challenges me or when someone says, you know, it's the same thing. 
Should we vaccinate or not vaccinate? That's the health stick where everybody wants the greater good for all. But depending on which way you look at it or which end of the stick you're on, but we all want the same thing, greater health and and prosperity. So can you have empathy for someone else's viewpoint? Can you realise that that's put in front of you and you're triggered by it, not because of them, Mm. but allowing you to go after, why does that trigger me? Why does that upset me when that happens? That's surrendering. That is surrendering to your grip on your view of the world. Mm. And when you can loosen that grip, I'm not saying let go of it altogether, although sometimes life experiences will make you let go of that grip. Um, But I'm asking people now to just just loosen it, just see it from another and don't have attachment. Try not to have attachment on someone else absolutely wanting you wanting them to see it from your point of view and I think that to me is the key to community to communication to good relationships you know our desire to be right that's ego Mm -hmm. our desire to love and have everyone achieve I remember reading the book Think and Grow Rich many many years ago in 1999 I read it and there was a line in there about competitive and creative thinking Mm -hmm. and competitive thinking means I have to take from you in order for me to have more so the piece of the pie there's one piece of pie but in order for me to have more of the pie I've got to take it away from you creative thinking says who says the pie pie can't be bigger so we all get more and I love that and when I create when I thought about the cornerstones of my business I looked at and that's why I've called my overriding company creative well-being because I'm all about the creativeness of our well-being for all but I really sat there and I and I thought what is it that drives me in my business and I again I thought there's four C's you know my first thing is to connect I want to connect with my client my customer um, my fellow you know uh, entrepreneurs um, I want to connect within and then I want to care I want to care for them and their viewpoint but care mostly for myself and how I portray myself into the world I then want to collaborate how do I collaborate with my own thoughts or with other people or other entrepreneurs or other businesses or clients and then how do we all contribute back what's my contribution so to connect care collaborate and contribute has really become the cornerstones of my values into business. But all four of those words could have different meaning to someone else. And when I hear other people's opinions or thoughts on that, it really opens up my perspective. So I think surrendering is allowing yourself to always be open to seeing other possibilities, other perspectives, Mm -hmm. and other viewpoints. Yeah. I think that being clear on what your values are inside your business is so, so golden. Having that clarity, um, you talk about it in the book beautifully so people can go there to see it. But I think it's... um, it's it is something that evolves and it's it, but having that understanding was actually Brene Brown in her Dare to Lead book that I started to really get a picture of what it looks like to get clear on what your values are inside your business. Um, so I love that you brought that up. I would love Ian, now to turn to the prosperity, which is not just wealth and money, but I think it's a, a big piece that as women, we get to talk about a lot more our understanding, our triggers around money and the desire to be wealthy. So um, let's let's dive in there, talking about money and how as women, we get to change our stories around that. You've got to think again, our beliefs and all those programs we run, what we've experienced growing up, 
you know, for a lot of people, money is a dirty word. Mm. It's, you can be filthy rich, stinking rich, dirty rich, you know, like the, the way people see wealth, mm. capitalism, greed, you know, yeah. um, all of these things. And depending if you grew up with parents that went money doesn't grow on trees or we can't afford that or any of those kind of stories creates a belief in you that you think is truth. And I've been guilty of this myself. You know, I used to, I never forget the first day I graduated as a, um, a sports therapist and my client came in, it was a $60 treatment and she turned around, she goes, how much do I owe you? And I went, oh, that's 60, 50, 30, it's on me. On me, I said, and because I just found it so hard to accept money. And then I kept wondering why, you know, money was so difficult. You know, like, why was it so challenging? When I coach people, they go, oh, no, when I look at their values and I elicit what they what is so important to them. If you asked an entrepreneur to sit down there and and write down, do it as a challenge, but you, you probably will change it after you've heard what I say, but write down all the things that are important to you about your business and career. So it could be, you know, con- community, connection, um, living my truth, um, selling high quality products, um, yeah. being the best, whatever. You can write these whole things down. And for a lot of people, money may not even feature in the top 20. And we're driven by our top three values in that order. So depending on then how you categorize those values, then look at your top three and go, oh, money's not even featuring in the top three, let alone the top five, let alone the top 10. And a lot of women will say to me things like, I don't do it for the money. You know, I'm not, it's not about the money. Well, I'm really driving home now. It has to be about the money. You know, I remember speaking at a function with Cindy O'Meara, who's a top nutritionist and very done very well financially and all sorts of things. Anyway, I was speaking on stage with her and Karen Smith and I was on stage and I said, you know, I remember a time when I was working and I needed 800 or $750, I think it was, in the bank by Friday to pay all my bills. And I only had $50 worth of clients booked in on the Monday. But I put my focus on it. I really believed in it. And guess how much money I had in the bank on Friday at five o'clock? It was just over seven hundred and fifty dollars, and I and then I looked at the audience. There was about fifty or eighty women, and I can't remember. There was a whole room full of women, and I went, "Oh, I should have said a million dollars." Laughed it off. People laughed, and one woman yelled out, "Oh, now you're being greedy!" Oh. And I instantly went, "Oh God, she's right, right." So oh. I kind of retracted. Well, Cindy gets the microphone and stands up and she goes, excuse me, look, I don't know who said that and it doesn't actually matter. But I want to ask the whole audience, when you look at Kim Morrison, if she did earn a million dollars in one session or it came out that she, what do you think she'd do with it? And then all of these people are yelling out, she'd create more programs, she'd write more books, she'd create more retreats, she'd do more with her business, she'd employ more people. I, that was an epiphany for me in that moment that, yeah, having more money means I get to give more, I get to do more, I get to share more of me. And every time I look at all the people that are employed in my company, I think that started with a vision of me wanting to sell an oil, some oils and write a book. And I have four people that work in my company and I go, they all work with me to create this vision and, you know, I pay them and it's an exchange. And so money has energy. So whether you hand over money and I remember the days we used to write checks, Mm -hmm. I always put big hearts on them, kiss kisses. I accidentally would put my signature and then kiss kiss, but then I didn't care. I would even still to this day when I pay and I write on my, the hard copy of the invoice, I put paid and I put a massive heart on it, kiss kiss, because 
I am so grateful to have that bill of electricity. I am so grateful to be able to pay my supplier. And I think for us to understand that a prosperity and abundant mindset is not just the money, it's the exchange of money. You don't want to, like, and I've known, I've given away programs to people and they've never valued it the way someone who's paid for it has. Even if I've run a workshop in the evening, I've learned charge $15. Yeah put on a glass of wine or kombucha, do a couple of little nuts or cheese platter or whatever it is, but charge something. The people that pay will show up. The minute we have an exchange of money, we all have a different physiology, mindset, values, beliefs around it. So to me, I say to people now, you got to suck this up. You actually have to realize that in order for you to put all this time and energy into your business, what do you think that's doing to your family by you not being there or being up at two o'clock in the morning and waking up exhausted? If you're going to put that investment in and you're going to really work hard for this, I'm not saying don't do that, but you want to have something in return. You want to know that you can take your kids to Fiji at the end of the year, or you want to know that you've got a good car that can transport you all around. You know, it's not been capitalist in, in the negative sense. It's been entrepreneurial to grow wealth so that you're not relying on the government to look after you. I don't want my kids to have to look after me. I don't want to have to ask the government for help. I want to know that I can do this for me so that my legacy does not impede on the people that really genuinely do need it. And I have the ability to create wealth. So I'm not going to knock myself for that. That took a number of years, Edwina, to get to that level, but I will not stand for anything less for me now. I know I deserve to be wealthy, but my wealth is in all areas, not just money. Yeah. Love it. Love it. It's such a fantastic answer. I've told the story many times. My switch around that idea of generosity with wealth came from a a coach I was working with who put um, that she was going to give a million dollars to charity in that year on her vision board. And I was like, wow, that just gave me, it was just like a switch in my brain that was like, that would be amazing. So we need to wind this up, which always breaks my heart because I know there's so much more we can talk about, but it'll be in another chapter. So for the minute, I know you have been amazingly abundantly generous with your gifts for our audience. Did you want to take a minute to let them know what that is? They are. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I I know as a busy woman, entrepreneur, sometimes our self-care can go to the bottom of the list. I'm really trying to advocate that you always keep it at the top because the more you give to yourself, the more energy you have for your beautiful business and all the love and energy and the resilience you have when times are challenging. So I have a 28-day self-love challenge and it's just a evergreen. You can just read the whole thing. It's not very pretty or anything, but it's just 28 days of doing beautiful things for yourself. And it's just a reminder. So I'll send you the link for that. And also my first book, which I rewrote again um, with my beautiful girlfriend a couple of years ago, a decade ago now, um, we wrote that like chocolate for women, but there's lots of tips in there and particularly around my love of oils and how to use oils in all realms, whether you're a mum, a businesswoman, a, a single career woman, or you're at uni or whatever it is, there's just a whole lot of rituals and things in there that may appeal to you as an ebook. And then the last thing I'd love to gift is I wanted something every morning that I could anchor in on and look at that just, you know, gave me something positive. Now, we know that positive thinking and affirmations, they have a little bit of influx, but it's not until we change our physiology around our beliefs and values that we really ensconce them into our heart, soul, brain and mind. 
So I created this thing called the the Manifesto for Living, and it's just four pages of all the things that matter. So it might be, I drink eight glasses of water today, or I am beautiful, happy, and healthy. So there's like four pages of quotes and sentences that I've laminated and put them on my bathroom wall. And as I'm body boosting every morning, I've never missed a day of massaging myself from toes to head every single day since I was 19. As I do that little ritual, which is my way of saying thanks to my body, my heart, my soul, and I say a nice little Um, you know, you are a great mom, you're an incredible businesswoman, you're going to have a great interview with Edwina was my one this morning, Um, you're going to shine the light for other entrepreneurs, that was the things that I say. So I do that, but then I look up at my four laminated sheets and I'll read, you know, eat your greens. And it's so funny, I looked at that and I thought, oh, I need my greens. And so (laughs) Danny came out and he gave me a little glass of greens. So it's just, look at some of it might seem quite benign and little, But like we said at the very beginning, it's the micro things, the micro moments that create the foundation. Loving yourself, caring for yourself is the foundation for everything that happens beyond that. And if you have your health and you have your mindset focused that whatever comes your way, you're going to show up as the best version you can. I love the book, The Four Agreements. You know, number one, be impeccable with your word. So if you're saying, oh, life sucks, it's hard, that's not being impeccable. You can go, you know what, right now I'm in a challenge, I'm in a funk, but I'm going to find a way out. Number two is ask questions, don't make assumptions. So if something's not working for you, ask for help or ask for possibility. Don't make assumptions that no one cares or no one's talking to you. You've got to reach out. You've got to take action. And the third thing is don't take things personally. So when a customer doesn't like what you've done or when your husband turns around and says, well, how much is that going to cost? Don't take it personally. He could genuinely just be wanting you to know that you've spent a lot in that area. How's it going to work for you? Uh, So don't take things personally. And the fourth thing is always give your best. And Mm -hmm. to me, if that was my parting comment would be show up in the best version you possibly can. And sometimes showing up in your best way is sometimes your worst way. And that's okay. You just got to give yourself that space and a chance to take that breath, recalibrate. What do you need to do to look after yourself? And that's why in my book, The Art of Self-Love, there's six steps to do that. And if you're stuck with that, just I urge you to read or listen to the audio book of that. That to me, if you've got the foundation of self-love and self-care, you're up for anything. I love it. I love it. One final question to wrap this up. What does a rich and prosperous life look like to Kim Morrison? Oh, oh. Well, you see, I could actually say to you, I'm living that right now. Oh. I mean, I want more and I'm striving for more, but I've realized the, the beauty of being appreciative of what I have here and now. Mm-hmm. And that means I've got a beautiful car that drives me from A to B. I've got a beautiful home. I've got a big mortgage on it, but I'll, I'll pay that off. I've got an amazing husband who loves me and adores me. I've got two children that are living in Brisbane now and living their dreams. One is a dancer and PT. The other is an aspiring professional rugby player. I have such joy with them. I've got a beautiful family. I hail from one of the most beautiful places on the planet, New Zealand, and I live in one of the most beautiful places in the planet, Australia. I have a beautiful business. I get to meet amazing women like you who remind me of my magic because what I see in you is just a reflection in me and what you see in me is just a reflection in you. 
And I think to me, to be honest with you, the fact that I can go to the markets and buy food or buy, I bought a pair of running shoes this week, the fact that I feel very prosperous, I feel very blessed and very rich on so many levels. I have an amazing body. It's not always, doesn't quite look like she did when she was 20 or when she was an ultra marathon runner. Boobs may hang a little bit lower, but they fed two babies. Um, You know, everything's not quite what it was. But I also think the rich and prosperous attitude to life is, you know, having lost my sister-in-law at 36, it's a privilege to grow older. It's a it's a, yeah. it's, it just makes me feel quite emotional because we take it for granted aging and we want to change aging and we think youth is the key. But you go to any of the ancient cultures and the older and the more wrinkles you have, the more revered you are. And so I hope I age with grace. And that to me is the greatest and richest and most abundant life I could ever have. Yeah. Oh. Love it. I, you know, um, as I head for 50 next year, early next year and deciding to go grey and I'm just looking around and I'm looking for the evidence of the beauty in getting older and there is so much. There is so much. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving that conversation and so grateful to you for your time, Kim. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. I love you lots and thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.